0: Good morning. It is certainly good to see everyone here this morning. As you can see on the screen, we are going to be uh, discussing redeeming the time. If you were here four or five weeks ago, uh, you were here for part one of this uh, sermon. And today we will continue, uh, continue with this topic of redeeming the time. If you would, grab a Bible and turn to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. We'll take our text this morning from Ephesians, the fifth chapter, uh, starting in the 14th verse, and we'll read through the sixth chapter and the fourth verse. Starting in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest. And arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife, see that she reverence her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Last week... My family was gone. Uh, we went on vacation. It was spring break for our kids, so we decided to get away for a little bit and we spent about a week up in Broken Bow, Oklahoma. And we had a great relaxing time. You know, we got out in nature uh, and we hiked up some mountains and we went and found some streams and saw some waterfalls. We sat around uh, a campfire and we roasted hot dogs and we roasted s'mores and ate some s'mores that were entirely too hot to put in your mouth uh, at the time that I decided to take a bite of that one. Uh, Luke searched for Bigfoot uh, all throughout the the forests of eastern Oklahoma. John got to enjoy his favorite vacation pastime and he He pounded an ice cream sundae that was way too big for a a boy to eat, but he ate all of it. It was a wonderful time away uh, with our family. Enjoyed it very much. Uh, When we got back at the end of of last week, I I did what I often do when we get back from vacation, and I started looking through all the pictures that we took. Of course, nowadays you have all your pictures on your phone, so I looked through all the, the pictures that we took. In Oklahoma on my phone, and, and then I, I asked my wife to, to, to let me see her phone so I can look at all the pictures that she took uh, while we were on our trip. And as I flipped through her phone and I got to the end of the, the photos from last week, I started to look a little further, uh, started to look back through some more pictures. And I looked, and I, I kept going, and I saw pictures from, from six months ago. And then I went a little bit further and I, and I saw photos and videos from two years ago when the boys were, were younger. And I went back even further and I looked at photos from four years ago when Luke was born. And then I looked and I saw photos from six years ago from the very first trip that we took when we went to uh, the first trip that we took to Broken Bow. John was about three years old at the time that that photo was taken. This was 2017. And like has happened several times recently, I began to think, where where has the time gone? It seems like just yesterday, we were visiting Broken Bow for the first time and on this trip. We were there last week, but it seems like just yesterday I remember this particular trip. I remember what we did. I remember the cabin that we stayed at. I remember what we ate. I remember what we did. I remember doing things with John when he was three years old there. I remember just about everything about that trip. John, like I said, was three years old in that picture. And here in a few weeks, John will be nine years old basically half of the time that we have with him before he leaves to go to college is gone. Luke wasn't in those photos of our first trip to Broken Bow. But now, here in a few months, in September, he'll be five years old. So much time has passed, yet it's passed so quickly. And again, I ask myself the question that I asked all of you the last time that I talked. You know, where did the time go? And have I redeemed the time that I have? If you remember what we spoke about over the course of that sermon, we talked about the passage that we opened up with this morning. Paul's admonition to the Ephesian church to redeem the time. Specifically, we talked about the first half of that passage. And we talked about ways that we redeem our time in our own personal lives by remembering the days of evil, by seeking to understand God's will, by seeking to fulfill the spirit and not the flesh and through worship and through prayer. And today we're going to focus, we're going to discuss the second half of this passage that we read and discuss how we redeem the time in our relationships with others. When God created man, he made us in such a way, and he designed us to be part of communities. He saw Adam and he said, it's not good that man should be alone. The poet John Donne once said that man is not an island unto himself. We are made to be in relationships with others. First and foremost, of course, is our relationship with God. However, we are made in such a way to have a relationship with other people. Of course, God knew that, so He created two specific institutions or two communities that we are all designed to be part of. And those two communities are the family and the church. And when we follow God's will and our families are following God's will, then our homes are places of love and peace and joy and discipleship. And when we follow God's will and we are active members of a local congregation, then we receive the spiritual nourishment and the love and the fellowship and the strength that we are designed to receive that. But that only will be the case if we redeem the time that we have. Like I said a moment ago, John is almost nine years old. Have I redeemed the time that I have with my son? Have I spent the last nine years raising him in a godly way? Angela and I have been married for nearly 14 years. Have we spent the last 14 years striving to have a godly marriage? I am 41 years old. I was raised in the church. I spent my entire life attending church services. My family has been members of this congregation for around 30 years. Have I made the best use of my time as a member of the La Prada Drive Church of Christ? So many people wake up one morning and they realize that their family is in shambles. Their marriage is a mess or their kids have rebelled against God and they, and they come to, 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 to the leadership and, and, and they say, can you help me? My family's a mess. I, I, I mean, my family's in trouble. My, my life has taken a turn for the worst. And we begin to, to talk about what's going on in their homes or in their lives. And so often we'll, we'll hear them say, well, well, I was just focused on other things. I was focused on myself or I was focused on my job. I, I, I just got away from my, my family. I got away from the church. And really what they are saying is I decided to use the time that God has given me for other things. Other things were more important. I didn't redeem the time. And how sad is it for a parent to see their kid drift away from God, or a marriage fall apart, or someone to leave the faith, or the relationships around them fall apart because they didn't redeem the time. But Paul, in the passage that we opened with this morning, shows us how to best redeem the time in our relationships. He reminds the Ephesian Christians how they can best use their time in their relationships with others. And specifically in verse 21 that we read, starting there in verse 21, he begins to change the focus to our relationships with those around us. So this morning, we're going to, like I mentioned, have part two of this redeeming the time message. And we're going to look at four things that we must do in our relationships inside and outside of the home so that we can redeem the time. The first thing that I want for us to notice that Paul says in this section is that we must spend our time serving others. Ephesians, the fifth chapter of the 21st verse that we read, says submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. After Paul teaches the Ephesian Christians to redeem the time, he tells them that they must submit to one another. How do we submit to each other? We do that by serving those around us. Galatians, the 5th chapter and the 13th verse says, For brethren, ye have been called into liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Romans, the 12th chapter, verses 9 through 13 says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affecting one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Paul reminds the church in Galatia not to seek to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. He reminds them that they've been made free from their sins, and that they should use this freedom, use this opportunity that they have to serve others. He reminds the church at Rome to show brotherly love to each other, to love one another, to show hospitality to each other and to serve each other. And that is what it means to submit to one another, to love those around us. But this is so contrary to what we see in the world. And if we're honest, what we see in ourselves sometimes In the world, what is the message? What do we hear? We hear that you should do what you want to do. You be you. You do you is the message that we hear, right? You need to be you. You don't need to change. You don't need to worry about what other people want or what other people need. You need to take care of yourself first. And so we see a world that doesn't care about what their neighbor needs and ultimately doesn't care what God wants because they're focused on serving themselves and not God. But God intends for us not to serve ourselves, but rather he intends for us to look out for others and to serve others. Just like our savior. Look at Philippians the 2nd chapter starting in the first verse. If there, be therefore, if there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. If we are going to be disciples of Jesus, Paul says that we should have the same mindset as our Savior And even though He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Creator of all things, He took on the form of a servant. And He laid down His life for others. And we'll talk more in depth about our homes here in a moment, but what about here in the church? Are we submitting to one another? Are we serving one another? As I look at all that we do and all that's going on in this congregation, you can see so much that we are doing to serve each other. And you may not realize it or haven't really thought about it, but there are so many ways that you all are ministering and serving one another. There are Bible studies being hosted in each other's homes. There was a Bible study last night that, that many of you attended. There are meals that are being served. There are work days. Uh, April 22nd, if you haven't heard, we would appreciate all your help. Uh, work days going on. There are summer works being planned that require so much help and all these sorts of things that are going on. So many of you do so much to serve this congregation. And I think I can speak for all of the leadership here. And I, when, I, when I say we cannot do what we do without the help of all of you here in this congregation, We want to thank you for all that you do for this congregation here. But there's also so much that goes on behind the scenes that isn't visible to everyone, but that's still going on in in serving each other. When a shoulder is needed to cry on, I know and I've seen so many of you here be there for people. When someone needs encouragement or someone needs instruction, there are people here that are that are doing that and serving each other in that way. I, I'll share a quick story with you along these lines. I, I, won't, I won't say who, who it was. I doubt they want the, the recognition or the publicity. There was a time a couple of years ago, and I'm sure all parents go through this. I, I know that I do from time to time. There are times when, when every parent, you know, you, you begin to think, you know what, am I, am I doing a good job raising my kids? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I was going through one of those times as a, as a young father and an elderly couple here. I won't, I won't tell who. That day that I was having these, these questions and thoughts and thinking about this and praying about it, that very day in the mail I received a, a card from somebody here that all it said was, we, have, we see you, we, we love your little family, it's, it's evident that you're doing a wonderful job raising your kids. I received that card at a perfect time, a time that I needed it. Someone took the time to serve and encourage me in a way that helped me tremendously. And lots of that is going on in this congregation behind the scenes. Not visible to anybody, but you're all doing that, and we thank you for that. And that's what we need and what we want as a congregation. That is what God intended for the church to be a place where people are serving each other. As a congregation, I am so encouraged, and I'm so convinced that we are doing an excellent job of loving and serving one another, as good a job as I have ever seen as a member of this congregation for for 30-something years. And that's reflected in the growth and the effectiveness of this congregation. So I ask you, Are you being a part of that? What are you doing to be a part of that? What are you doing to serve others here this morning? And what can you do more to submit and to serve those around you? Because that is the best use of our time. The best use of our time isn't serving ourselves. It's serving others. It's redeeming the time by submitting and serving those around us. The next way that Paul shows us to redeem the time in our relationships is to structure our home in a godly way. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, in the 23rd verse, we read how the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. There in the, the, first, chap, the first verse of chapter 6, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Paul, in these verses, gives us some insight that should be found in the structure of our home. He says that the husband should lead his home like Christ leads his church. That a godly wife will be in submission to her husband. That the children will be obedient to their parents. The family was ordained and designed by God. The Supreme Court of the United States doesn't define what a family is and what it should look like. The media doesn't define what the family should be. The world doesn't decide the correct way that a family should operate. God, in his word, define what a family is and the best way for it to operate. And in his word, and in this passage, the structure of the home is defined. And that may not be popular with the world. The world may not like that God's word says what it says about the structure of the home. And they might pass all kinds of laws and shun anyone who thinks this, but that isn't going to change the fact that the creator, the designer of the home, and the family says that this is the proper way for the home to operate. So is your home designed and operating in this way? And my intention today isn't to spend too much time talking about each individual role and and those sorts of things. Those things will be talked about uh, in, in upcoming lessons and sermons. But I will ask our men in attendance this morning. Men, are you leading your home in a godly way? Too many men in today's society are cowards. And that may be harsh to some people. And you may think, Jeff, that's pretty harsh to say, but it is the truth. Too many men are cowards. And they have either abandoned their family or they have abdicated their leadership responsibilities to someone else in the home. They have given up their leadership responsibilities to the wife or to the kids. And because of that, far too many homes are broken. And one day, if that's you... You will look back at the time you wasted being a coward, and you will wish that you would have redeemed the time and led your home and structured your home in a godly way. Make the best use of your time with your family by structuring your home in a godly way. The third thing that I want for us to notice about how to make the best use of our time in our relationships, and specifically with our family, is that we should provide others in our home what they need. If you look back at a couple of verses that we read, Ephesians five twenty five says, "Husbands, love your wives." The thirty third verse says, "Wives, reverence your husbands." Children, honor your father and mother. Paul reminds husbands that they must love their wives. Wives are reminded to respect or revere their husbands. Children are told to honor their father and mother. There are specific specific instructions to different individuals in the home to provide specific things to other people in the home. Why do you think that is? Husbands are told to love their wives, but it doesn't say wives love your husbands, right? So that, does that mean that wives don't need to show love to their husbands? Of course not. Wives are reminded to reverence or respect their husbands, but it doesn't say husbands need to respect their wives. So does that mean that husbands don't need to worry about respecting their wives? Of course not. When God created each of us, when he created man and woman, he, he designed us He created us to fill specific roles in the home. And I believe that we were created with specific specific needs. We are made in such a way to receive certain things from other specific people in the home. A wife needs to see and she needs to feel and she needs to understand that she is loved specifically by her husband. He needs to make sure that he is making the choice to love and serve his wife. Emotionally and spiritually, she needs to feel and know without a doubt that her husband loves her. That's how women are created. That's how women are wired. Husbands, does your wife know that you love her? Do your kids see and know that you love your wife? A husband needs to see and feel and understand that he is revered and he's respected specifically by his wife. The wife must make sure that she is showing and communicating her reverence and her respect to him and for him. Emotionally and spiritually, he needs to, without a doubt, know that his wife respects him. That's how men are created. That's how men are wired. Wives, does your husband know that you respect him? Do your kids see that you respect their father? And kids, do your parents, do they see and know that you honor and then you respect them? Do you, through your obedience and your submission to them, do your parents Know that you respect and that you honor them. And like I mentioned this a moment ago, I'll let you kids in on a little secret. There are times, and maybe it's just me, I don't think it is. There are times when parents sometimes think, you know, am I doing a good job raising my kids? And I can tell you it makes life a lot easier and feel much more secure and fulfilled as a parent if they know that their kids are honoring and respecting them. Your parents need to see that and receive that from you. You have a responsibility to provide that honor and respect in the home. We are created, and the home was designed best, to work optimally when wives know that they are loved by their husbands, and husbands are respected by their wives, and parents are honored by their children. When that occurs, each of us receive the emotional and spiritual edification and validation and those sorts of things, to feel safe and secured in love. We feel, we feel fulfilled when that occurs. And like I mentioned, that's, that's not to say we don't need all of those things. Husbands need to feel loved. Wives need to feel respected. Children need those things also. But there are specific things that we need from specific other people in the home. And when everyone in the home is receiving and providing those things, then the home functions in a godly way. And it will be a place of peace and love and discipleship. And we will be making the best use of our time. We will be redeeming the time that we have with those around, around us. The last thing that I want for us to notice from this passage that Paul says that we should do to redeem the time in our relationship is that we need to ensure that our homes are a reflection of Christ's love for his church. Back in the 32nd verse that we read this morning, it says, I speak concerning Christ in the church. Paul says that all this stuff that I've been saying about husbands leading their families and wives submitting to their husbands, it's not just only about... Getting along in your home. And, and, and while that's true and that, that's the best way to have a good relationship in your home, the primary purpose and the, and the primary goal of our homes is it for, is for our homes to be a reflection of Christ's love for his church. Ephesians, the fifth chapter and the 25th verse that we read, says, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And then the 24th verse just above that says, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ... Paul says that husbands should love their wives wives, like Christ loves his bride, the church. He says that wives should be in subjection to their husbands like the church is subject to Christ. That they should honor and respect their husband like the church should honor and respect Christ. He says that our homes should look like the relationship between Jesus and his bride, the church. The standard that we should compare our marriages to isn't what we see on the Lifetime movie or the Hallmark movie. The standard that we should compare our marriages to isn't the fake representation of people's lives on Instagram or Facebook. The standard that we should compare our marriages to isn't even our friends or our family members. What we want to see in our marriages should be, does it reflect Christ's love for the church? Our marriages are healthy. Our marriages are successful when we compare them and they they measure up to how Christ loves His bride, the church. And that should be a sobering thought for all of us. Does your marriage reflect Christ's love for his church? Jesus served his church. He knelt down and he washed the disciples' feet. Husbands, do we kneel down and humbly serve our wives? Now, Jeff, just a minute ago, you said that husbands are the head of the house. Doesn't that mean that we're in charge? Don't we get to rule our homes? Don't we get to tell everyone what to do and we get to to rule our homes like a king on our throne? We're the head of the house, right? That isn't what I said. I said that we are the heads of the homes and the leaders of our homes like Christ is the head of the church. Our leadership should be a reflection of Christ's servant leadership of his church. And Jesus led, and he served, and he taught, and he loved, and he died for his bride, the church. Husbands, is that what you see in your leadership of your home? Wives, do you honor and respect and submit yourself to the head of your family? Just as the church is subject to Christ, you are supposed to honor and respect and submit yourself to your husband. Is that what people see when they look at our homes? Is that what your children see when they look at you? Because ultimately, the purpose of our homes, the, the, the goal, the purpose of our homes, isn't just to have a good place to go to after we get off of work. The purpose of our homes isn't to have necessarily a nice, peaceful place. The purpose of our homes Isn't just to have a place where there are people that we get along with. The purpose of our homes isn't just to have people that we like to be around. The ultimate purpose of your home is to be a reflection of Christ's love and to develop disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we will strive to do this, we will make the best use of our time. We will redeem the time that we have with our family and in our homes. Over the course of the past couple of sermons, we've talked about redeeming the time. We've talked about this passage in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, that Paul talks about this. And like I mentioned last time, we talked about redeeming our time in our own personal lives. And today, we talked about redeeming the time in our relationships with others. We talked about redeeming the time by serving each other, by structuring our home in a godly way, by providing what God or what others need, by reflecting Christ's love in our homes. In our lives and in our homes, are you doing this? Are you using the time that you have with your kids, with your wives, with your husbands, with your family? Are you redeeming the time with them by doing these things? You know, I mentioned John is nine years old. He is, or almost nine years old. He has grown up so fast. Luke is five. The time that I have with them has flown by. I think about Haley. She's in college now. Brian and Ashley woke up one day and their little baby girl had moved out and gone to college. Do you think that they thought, you know what, that 18 years drug on It took forever. That's not what they think. They think the time flew by, okay? Angela and I have been married for 14 years. Those 14 years have flown by. And I I think back at that time that has flown by, and I wonder, have I made the best use of my time? Or have I used the time that I have with my wife and with my kids and with my family? And as a member of this congregation, have I used that time in a godly way? You know, we're all going to stand before God. And no one, when they stand before God someday, is going to say, God, you know what, I used too much time serving you. I wasted so much time doing what you said. That's not what anyone's going to say. But there's going to be countless people that are going to wish that they had used their time in a godly way and done what God wanted them to do in their homes and in their families. So I ask you this morning, have you redeemed the time? Have you made the best use of your time? The best use of your time is doing what God says in his word. So I ask you this morning, have you done that? Have you followed God's will for your life? If you haven't, why not? In God's word, he says that you need to submit to him. And that starts by obeying the gospel, by allowing your faith to move you to repent of your sins and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and submit to him in baptism. Perhaps you've never done that and you'd like to do that this morning. We'd be happy to do that with you and for you this morning. Perhaps you have not made the best use of your time in your life or in your family and you like the prayers of the church, we'd be happy to do that also. If there's anything we can do for you, please come as we stand and as we sing.